Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. So another um, important capacity to develop when working with pain, particularly with meditation, is noticing um, what amount of internally focused meditation is supportive and when it starts to move into a zone where it's not supportive. Right, so that was just about five minutes. And what can happen is that sometimes um, a certain amount of time will actually be restful, stabilizing, nourishing. But if there's a lot of pain in the body or if there's a lot of resistance to the pain, at a certain point that moves into a zone where we either begin to drain our energy because we're having to work so hard to stay present or we actually start to increase the reactivity by um, trying to force the mind to stay with a situation longer than it actually has you know, energy or willingness to be with. So, um, you know, I'm curious how many of you know what I'm talking about from your own experience. Yeah. So this is something that's really important. I'm assuming many of you in the room here have a meditation practice to pay attention to in your meditation is, you know, where is that line? Where is that zone where it's like, okay, I think that's enough in this posture, in this style. And that doesn't mean you need to stop being aware but maybe you shift gears to a different practice. Maybe it's eyes open. Maybe it's a movement practice. You know, maybe it's being mindful uh, of an activity. Still another way to practice bringing awareness into your life and strengthening that capacity, but not forcing the mind to stay with a situation that's actually draining our energy or um, just kind of spinning our wheels in terms of the reactivity. So this morning I presented this concept of indirect practices and direct practices. Indirect practices being practices that um, help us to find balance, um, that support our sense of resilience or well-being in order to meet pain. And then the direct practices being practices that actually start moving into being with pain itself or working with the relationship to pain. Um, this afternoon, we'll look at one from each category. And so I want to start with, with what could be considered more of a direct practice, um, which is compassion. Probably, um, I know for me, one of the most kind of helpful and healing practices and um, ways of being with pain. And I call this a direct practice because it's, it's meeting the experience. It's really working with our relationship and working with transforming our relationship from 
um, the kind of reactivity or resistance or all of the stories that we can uh, heap on top of ourselves that make the pain worse. It's transforming all of those energies and relationships um, to one that's actually healing, soothing, and comforting. And so, you know, the the first piece that we looked at today of our perspective and trying to bring some some wisdom in to the event of pain and illness is key in supporting compassion. And what's what's key here is that um, compassion means we have to be willing to turn towards what's difficult. And so everything inside usually wants to turn away. Right? We want to make it go away or avoid it or run away from it. That's different than what we were practicing this morning. Escaping, running away, avoiding, suppressing. Those are very different intentions than what I call skillful distraction. Than intentionally shifting our attention away in order to create balance, space, and resilience to then be with the experience. So in that movement back to turn towards the suffering, for me, the first layer, it's like I kind of conceptualize it almost spatially. Um, And if I'm in pain, if I'm suffering, whether it's physical or emotional, I almost have like a physical sense of kind of sort of the outermost layer of my awareness can be compassion. So it's like the sense of uh, holding something something gentle, tender or loving, embracing or holding the totality of the experience. It includes everything. There's nothing left out. And so in order to even approach that, in order to even begin to have compassion, there has to be a willingness to turn towards the suffering, a willingness to acknowledge it, to, to um, might even go so far as to say to welcome it. You could say just the quality of acceptance, something inside that says, okay, you know, okay. And I think we each know that place when we've been suffering or when we're struggling and we're fighting against the pain or we're struggling with a story. And then at some point, something inside kind of goes, enough, enough, okay. Like this is what's happening. If it's a migraine, it's like, I have a migraine now. And it's just like, okay. And there's a certain quality of surrender and there's a peacefulness in that because the resistance has, has subsided. And so this is, this is um, from the wisdom perspective, this is about um, the first noble truth. So to go back to that teaching, the, fir- the first of the four noble or ennobling truths is that there is difficulty. There is pain and suffering and struggle and hardship in life. Just that it exists, it's part of life. But the injunction, the instruction with that statement is that struggle and difficulty is meant to be understood. 
It's not just like, yeah, they're suffering and that's a bummer, but can we understand it? So in order to understand something, we have to be willing to spend time with it. We have to be willing to be with it, to look at it, to get to know it. This in and of itself is a really radical shift in the relationship to pain. And I think it takes compassion to be willing to accept pain. I don't, I don't really think it's possible to say okay and accept without there being some of this quality of tenderness or care in the heart. There has to be a softening inside. What's so radical about this shift is that we stop being a victim. This came up earlier in the morning. I can't remember who said it. Oh, it was, it was you, Preetam, talking about creativity, right? As a way of reclaiming that sense of agency instead of being a victim, and this is just happening to me, I can do something. So a corollary of that in the contemplative um, realm is being willing to experience the pain, and this is why compassion is a direct practice because we're actually turning towards it now. And that's only possible when we have enough resource. That's only possible when we've been able to move away. Again, don't go in if you can't come out. Right? So we gather our resources. We you know, make a collage. We talk with a friend. Um, we put on some music. We look out at nature. Right? We ask for the support we need. We make sure that we have enough juice inside. And then something is able to shift and say, okay, let me just be with this. So when we can open to the pain, instead of trying to get away from it, the first gift is that we reclaim agency. We're no longer a victim. It's no longer this is happening to me and I'm helpless. But there's actually a sense of like, okay, let me be with this. I had a very instructive moment um, around this. When I was, um, I was, I was pretty sick. I was just kind of laid out, a lot of pain in the body, very low energy, um, you know, foggy in the mind and um, and f- feeling really down on myself and on the condition and I'm not going to get better, kind of the whole, the whole thing and just sort of wallowing and spinning in it. I remember I was lying on the couch at uh, one of my parents' houses and just blah. <laughs> and um, at a certain point, I kind of like recognized, you know, like, this isn't helping, you know? I lay down because I was in pain and I wanted to rest, but what the mind was doing was not helping. I was like, this is not helping. And something inside rose up. There's like a rising of energy that says, okay. And I, and I, you know, I stood up. I said, I'm going to do some breathing and do some qigong. And just that, just that willingness to just say, okay, let me be with this. Let me actually see what I can do to support my body. Even though the pain didn't change, even though the physical experience changed, the whole mental atmosphere changed from one of lethargy and self-pity um, and fear and dread and wallowing to one of 
a little bit of brightness, actually like, okay, let's do something here. I can meet this. I can be with this. And when we can do that, when we can start to turn towards the pain in a balanced way, not forcing ourselves, in a balanced way, something happens. Something powerful happens. It's like... um, It's like adding... um, adding a catalyst to a solution and a certain reaction begins to happen. Something actually that the, the, the wound, the pain ceases being um, like an, an injury and it starts to become like that grain of sand in, in the oyster. It starts to make something beautiful. When we can meet it, when we can turn towards it and say like, okay, you know, I can, I can be with this. Let me have some compassion, see what I can do. It actually makes the heart uh, more mature. It kind of, um, it ripens something in us as a human being. It opens us up to a different layer of our experience. So we see it no longer it takes it out of that sense of the personal this is just happening to me. And we can start to see the experience that we're going through as something that connects us to others, that that, that understands, yes, this is part of being human. And then the pain and the suffering we're experiencing actually deepens our sense of humanity. Because we start to we feel our own vulnerability, not as not as something that we're afraid of, but as something that's true, and that's okay. And when we when we touch that place, when we really feel that vulnerability, we recognize the truth of it that it's not just us. How many of you have had a moment where you recognized that the pain or the illness or whatever it is that you're feeling? That, that people who are healthy will one day have to face something difficult also. They just don't know it yet. How many of you have had that insight? Yeah. I mean, I remember very clearly, like, uh, seeing that, you know, it's, it's not... It's not that they're healthy people and and people who are experiencing illness or pain. It's just that this just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a timing thing, right? And so when we can when we can touch that place inside and really know our own vulnerability, we we feel and see the vulnerability of all of life, and that's connecting. That's actually healing. We're no longer isolated or alone. And this happens through wisdom. It happens through seeing what's happening clearly. And it happens through compassion. It happens through bringing, the, bringing some tenderness to the experience. So compassion then is that willingness to, to be with the suffering with a quality of care. Compassion has a receptive aspect and it has an active aspect. The receptive aspect is the tenderness. It's just that sense of holding, right? Like if you're with a child 
um, or a friend who's having a hard time and you just offer a shoulder or a hug. That's that, that compassion. That's just the willingness to be with. The active component of compassion is the movement to see if we can help. It's not the holding, but it's that, hey, do you need anything? What's going on? It's not fixing. It's not taking the problem away from the person. It's the readiness to show up, to just say, what do you need? Is there anything I can do? Right? That sense of being there. And we can do that for others and we can do it for ourselves. And this is this is this is like a one eighty from our habitual responses to pain. From this from not only the sense of resisting or avoiding it, but being embarrassed or ashamed or blaming ourselves or blaming someone else. So compassion in some ways, um, it seems to me, it's, it takes a lot of courage is one thing. It takes a, a lot of strength and courage to be with suffering and pain, our own or others. It's not an easy state. You really have to kind of have some, some structure inside, that sense of, of really being here. Um, and in some ways, it also can be a subtle state. Subtle in the sense that it's easy to fall out of compassion into a, into a state that's close to it, but not quite. So in, in the Buddhist tradition, some of you will know that there's this, um, this uh, teaching on what are called the near enemies or the near miss of things like kindness and compassion. It's a state of mind or, or quality that's very close but is actually a different state of mind. So with compassion on the one side, we can fall into, into pity. Um, pity in the sense of like um, being identified with it, like, oh, I'm so sad for myself. This is so hard. Or pity in the sense that we, we actually separate from it. There's distance, right? Like, Usually that comes up more with someone else, this, this kind of pity. It's, it's not so much with oneself, but you know, if you're having a hard time and I say, oh, Don, that sounds, that sounds hard. I'm so, I'm so sorry for you. You know, like I'm, I'm distancing myself from you, and I'm sure we all know this, right? When, when we share with someone what's going on, they're just like, oh, oh, that sounds hard. I'm so sorry. Right? And there's that kind of like, you know, like it might be contagious. I don't want to get too close to even acknowledge what you're going through. Right? So that's not compassion. There's an acknowledgement of the suffering, but it's, it's removed. There's a saying um, pity touches pain with fear. It touches the pain with fear. There's a sense of pulling away. On the other side, compassion can fall into overwhelm which is a little bit more when that pity becomes self-pity and we just, we just start to sink in it. We're, we're turning towards the suffering, but we become consumed by it and we lose perspective. Compassion has wisdom in it. It understands what's happening. It's not separate from that perspective. 
So how do we develop this? How do we develop this for ourselves? Having compassion for ourself is like having compassion for someone else. And for many, um, I think that that's a really accessible doorway. Feeling what it's like to have compassion for others. So just take a moment to reflect like what it's like to have compassion for a friend who's in pain, a friend who's struggling or suffering. Think of someone you know who's had a hard time recently and what that was like to feel compassion or care or tenderness. So what's, so what's the first thing that's needed? It's kind of a trick question. What's the first thing that's needed to have compassion for this person? Before that. Before that. Yeah, awareness of what? Suffering. Right. We have to know that they're suffering. Right? If we don't know that they're struggling or suffering, we're not going to have compassion. We could love them all we want. We could have as much empathy as we want. We have to know they're suffering. This is the first step of compassion. We have to notice the suffering. And sometimes that's different than noticing the pain. We can, we can be in pain and know that we're in pain, but not know that we're suffering. Because we're, we're avoiding the suffering. We're avoiding that sense of, <sighs> you know, this is actually really hard. The honesty, that, that sober honesty that, that acknowledges, yeah, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time with this. We have to be willing to acknowledge that, to notice it. Okay, then what happens with a friend? Once you know, once you learn, you hear, what happens inside for you? Yeah, there's a softening. Something opens or softens. We're moved. That's the receptivity. That's the receptive aspect of compassion. Just the willingness to be with, right? That part that just goes, oh, you know, wow, that's hard. And then... What can arise? We reach out. Do you need anything? Is there any way I can help? What would be supportive right now? Like you were saying earlier, um, is it Kata? Kata, thank you. Like Kata was saying earlier, you know, that we can actually. On the other side, we can actually ask people for what we need. We can say what would be really useful is if you could just listen right now. Also, others can, others can ask that of us to say, hey, what would be helpful right now? That's an expression of compassion. So 
In the Buddhist tradition, the word compassion includes having this feeling for ourself. At a certain point um, in the movement of the Dharma from Asia to the West, this word self-compassion came into being. It was at a conference with the Dalai Lama when he was saying that the word in Tibetan for compassion includes having compassion for oneself. And he said, I think we need to invent a new word in the English language called self-compassion. Because in our culture, the word compassion doesn't necessarily mean or include feeling it for myself. It usually means feeling it for others. So out of that grew this whole kind of practice of, of mindful self-compassion, uh, which uh, Kristen, Neff, uh, Kristen Neff and Chris Germer have, have developed. So they point to three different components of self-compassion, which I think are really useful, really helpful to keep in mind when we're exploring compassion to see, like, am I in that zone or am I getting off track? So the first is self-kindness rather than self-judgment. And this is kind of the most obvious one, right? We can we feel it when we're judging ourselves, when there's that energy of blame, and we can see, like, okay, can I have some kindness towards myself here? That's not helping. The next gets a little bit more subtle and might not be as obvious. So one aspect of self-compassion is being connected to others rather than being isolated. So having a sense of our common humanity. So when we have compassion for ourselves, as I was saying before, we start to feel that that compassion is not just for our own suffering. And this is one of the transformations that happens you know, when we're able to meet pain and suffering, our heart gets more tender towards others because we really feel what it's like to suffer and then we have more compassion for others because we've seen, we know the suffering. So that sense of when we have compassion for ourselves, it starts to connect us. We're no longer isolated. And even sometimes having a phrase or, or that awareness like, you know, may all beings be free of this suffering. You know, may no beings have to suffer in this way. The last is probably the most subtle, and this goes back to what the point that you raised earlier, Don, which is being mindful rather than over-identified. So it's that ability to be aware of what's happening without taking it really personally, making it about me, creating a whole story around it, and on more subtle levels, even identifying with it in any way. This, that starts to get into more of the, um, the deeper wisdom aspects of the meditative path of really recognizing, like, does this body belong to us? Is the body who we are? You know, we're seeing the body just as a body. It's on loan. You know, we use it for a certain period of time and then the body disintegrates. Without getting into kind of philosophical terrain of, you know, is there a self or not, but just seeing like on the level of pain to just be very clear, like is it, am I this body? Is this body me? Very powerful question to contemplate and to see some of the some of the freedom or the peace or the spaciousness that can come when it's like... Um, the body is sick rather than I'm sick. 
remember I was when I was first started um, dating my uh, my girlfriend. Um, number of years ago was I was in the middle of of being pretty sick, and um, she said to me when she said, you know, you know, you're sick. You're you're a, you're a sick person, and she was meaning it lovingly, like it's okay to be sick. And I looked at her and I said. I'm not. No, I'm not sick. My body is sick. This body is sick. But like, I'm not sick. It's a very, it's a subtle distinction, but it's an important one. Um, another story, um, one of the things that I've dealt with over my life is a, a chronic digestive condition. Sometimes it's not much of an issue. Other times it can be a big issue. Uh, so I was spending time at a monastery in England doing some training there. And um, the, this condition means that there's all kinds of foods that I can't eat. So people at the monastery knew, oh, Oren has a special diet, right? Because he's you know can't eat some things. And so one of the other lay guests um, one time was asking me, was, you know, just said... Uh, so this is in England, so um, there's a different way of using using language there. And sometimes, so he said, you know, you know, if uh, if I if I may ask, what what is your affliction? <laughs> you know, what, what we here we might say, you know, like what illness do you have, or you know, what's going on with your digestion or something. So what is your affliction? And it was such an interesting way of putting it. And I thought about it for a moment. And again, it was one of those similar moments where I thought and I paused. And I said. You know, it's interesting. I don't experience it that way. It's not an affliction. It's a condition. You see the difference? It's just a condition. And conditions change. Right now, these are the conditions. The sense of it being an affliction is when it moves into that terrain of suffering where we're shooting that second arrow. We're adding the identification, the resistance, the wishing it were otherwise, and so forth. Then it becomes an affliction. We're suffering over it versus it being a condition. So this is that third aspect of self-compassion, of being mindful rather than being over-identified. Can there be awareness? This is what's happening. This is the condition of the body right now. It's a very different perspective or vantage point than I have this condition. I am in this place. And this is not kind of a bypassing, like I'm going to check out here. Like, you know, my body's going through that and I'm somewhere else. It's a, it's a, it's a subtle shift. We're still feeling it. We're still present with it. But there isn't that sense of being caught and wrapped up in it. So we can we can practice having this energy of compassion for ourselves, finding that that kind of tenderness and that receptivity. There are many ways to um, to access this. 
And um, I think rather than describing them, what I'd like to do is to is to do the practice and to take you through a number of different um, kind of doorways to compassion so that you can try different things out and see what works for you. And then we can, and then we'll shift gears. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about it some. Um, so I'm going to invite you to, to get comfortable for this. Michelle, why don't we stop and start a new file so that the meditation is on a different, different recording.